This podcast brought to you by ACES, the American Society of Information Science and Technology, the Society for Information Professionals, by the IA Summit, the premier gathering place for information architects and other user experience professionals, by Boxes and Arrows. Visit boxesnarrows.com slash about slash participate to be a part of your peer-written journal. And special thanks to Axure and Moray for sponsoring Boxes and Arrows, as well as the many other sponsors of the IA Summit. Head of the User Experience Discipline for Hotwire, an Expedia-owned discount travel website, Melissa Matros shares lessons from successes, failures, and pain at Hotwire to help guide those embarking on a large-scale UX project. Based on her experience driving the first successful site redesign at Hotwire, Melissa discusses strategies and tactics to sell the large-scale UX project, gaining support and approval to augment UX and engineering staff to resource the effort, making your project happen by distributing the work while showcasing UX leadership and maintaining momentum toward completion, as well as demonstrating UX successes and build equity within the organization for future work. I hope everyone enjoys the podcast. Cheers. So what we had to do was um, take some rogue tactics to get this sold in initially. So our first approach was to pick a guinea pig. Um, we were fortunate in that we had a project come up right when we were thinking about the redesign that um, allowed us to do a lot of UX work on a single page. That page was our flight search results page. So it was one page that we were really focusing on and it required a lot of work anyway. So we were going to be touching that, that page and spending a lot of time there. So what we did was um, we focused on the flight search and decided that we were going to experiment on this page with the redesign and, and started to think about things differently. Another note that's important for, for the particular um, project that we chose to experiment on was that our flight search results page had a lot of traffic, so we could definitely get a lot of feedback from users, but it was low impact to the business from a financial perspective. Uh, we didn't have a lot of conversion coming off of this page, so in some ways there was a lot of opportunity from it, but also um, we weren't going to, you know, screw up the business by doing something wrong on this page. So if you're going to experiment, you want to make sure you have an advocate. My advocate was my boss, who happens to be the VP of product. It's important that your advocate is someone who's not within UX, because usually when you're trying to launch a large-scale UX project, you're going to get support from the rest of your team. You want to get somebody who's slightly outside of it but understands your goals and your needs. It could be someone in product, someone in engineering, whoever it may be within your particular organization. Now, what I needed to do was I needed to have him approve all the work we did before we pushed it out. But he allowed us to experiment, and he also helped convince others within the organization of the work we were doing and build support for the work we were doing. When you're picking your guinea pig, you want to make sure that you're also breaking your rules. When you're experimenting, you have to break your standards. You have to come up with something that's different enough that any executive or anybody throughout the organization can look between what you have today and what you're experimenting with and see the clear benefits for it. So Hotwire didn't have any clear styles developed. We didn't have a clear style guide or standards, um, but it was, it was definitely clear that we had a look and feel and a palette and a general structure. We totally broke that and went with a totally different palette, totally different layout, totally different design. You have to make sure that if you're going to experiment that you get it right. 
This is your example for what you're going to use to sell in the rest of your redesign, the rest of your project. So you want to make sure that you have no regrets on this page because this is what you're going to use to apply to the rest of the site. Um, also, when you're done with, with designing this page, you want to shop it around. And particularly if it's after launch and you have financial numbers about around improvement, improved drop-off rate, you want to use that and say, this page improved our drop-off rate by X. So here's an example of what was our guinea pig. It's a little hard to see here, but on the upper left, you'll see our old site. Um, a lot of yellow and red. We had a very narrowly focused page. And on the lower right, you'll see the redesign site, which is kind of looking terrible in the projection. Um, but what you'll see is that we widened the page. We had a totally different color scheme. It was, it was clearly a different design. So you've experimented. You have your single page that you've focused on, and you've launched it or maybe it's really deep into development and underway. So now it's time to develop a formal proposal. Now, your goals out of this formal proposal are to get resources, to get executive support, and ultimately to build a better site. So where do you want to start? I started with the current state of the site. Um, ours was a little bit of a mess. Um, so I focused on what are the areas for improvement? Our site was inconsistent. It had a very patchy look and feel. Um, it was not scalable. Every time we touched um, any part of the page, we would need to move stuff around in order to accommodate those new features. The brand was not clearly communicated, and it did not align with our offline marketing at all. And our technology and look and feel were not that current. It's really important, though, if you're going to talk about what's wrong with your current site, that you also talk about why it ended up that way. Because what you want to do is avoid this on your new redesign. So look at the drivers. For us, there was a lack of communication of updates and changes between de the departments. There was a lack of education on the standards and the style guide and a lack of enforcement of those standards. There was a lot of time between updates, so as time went on, things changed. Um, some sections of our site had vendors they were managed by vendors, so it, cost, it was very costly to us to update them. And sometimes we just didn't have the resources, whether it be UX or engineering. So all these things put together ended up in this inconsistent, patchy look and feel. You want to explain this and talk about how you're going to avoid this going forward. What's also helpful is to look to third-party evaluations and use those to talk about where you are today. So for us, what's really important to our executive team is the J.D. Powers Award, if any of you are familiar with it. Um, and one thing that we found was that we were receiving the lowest marks in appearance and design. So all of the execs have a copy of this report, and they see that. And that's a real opportunity to improve, particularly if it relates directly to the work you're doing. So next, you want to talk about your opportunity. Uh, maybe it's winning awards, improved branding, increased user loyalty and trust, improved user retention, greater credibility. All these things are, are, are definite opportunities that can come from a large UX project. But more significant are faster time to market and better knowledge management. This is the process side of the work we were doing. We were very interested in getting our standards up to date so that we could build efficiencies in into our deliverables and get stuff out more quickly. 
These terms resonate with execs because they can get more out more quickly, which means more money. Also, improved CM. What are some ways that you can drive that? Maybe um, SEO improvements. Maybe uh, better navigation to more money-making features. Um, maybe a reduction in page drop-off, which increases conversion. These are some things to look at, too. So your goals and your vision. This is probably the hardest part of this process and the, t the area where I spent the most amount of time. You have to be very focused here and very specific. It takes a lot of time and a lot of iterations, and you want to make sure that you get executive involvement in brainstorming goals and vision. Make sure to use some of their words. My first pass at the vision was useful, usable, and desirable. We want our site to be useful, usable, and desirable. Of course, everybody wants their site to be useful, usable, and desirable. And after I thought about it more, I was like, this isn't a vision for us. Of course we should be this way. Everyone should be this way. How is Hotwire different? So I actually looked at our branding terms, um, the brand vision that was spearheaded by our marketing lead, our VP of marketing, with a number of other VPs involved. And our terms were proactive, competitive, optimistic, savvy, and straightforward. This is very specific to who Hotwire wants to be. And therefore, it's very specific to how we want our site to be in the long run. So this is our long-term vision three to five years out. What is all of our work going to lead to? Then we looked at the goals for the specific project, the specific site redesign. What do we want out of this? We want to be branded. We want to be simple. We want to be consistent. And we want to be efficient. Again, I made some tweaks to accommodate some of the executive language because that's something that they could agree to and relate to. And it's very, very, very important to get agreement on these goals from the executives. If it's, if it's their ideas and their, and their goals tied in, you're going to get their support. You also want to talk about your infrastructure improvements and your goals. So again, I mentioned the efficiencies you might be able to gain from updating your standards. Talk about that in, their, in your goals. That's where our efficient piece came from. And also be willing to let some stuff go at this stage. Um, the piece that I compromised on was persona development. I know it's really sad, but um, we, have a lot of, we had a lot of user knowledge within our organization and within our team. And I really wanted to try to make sure that we could develop a really beautiful persona that we could look back to and have as a reference guide and go through that whole phase. But that was the area that I really got the most resistance. And here I'm asking for a lot of people and a lot of time and a lot of commitment from the organization. And I had to be willing to let something go and give something to get this project approved. So that was where I focused on letting go. So when you go into your formal proposal, you want to be prepared and have a plan. If it's a redesign, what's the nature of the redesign? Navigational overhaul, interaction design changes, look and feel changes, all of the above. How are you going to plan out the work? Are you going to launch it all at once? Are you going to do it in phases? What are the benefits of each one of these approaches? How many resources do you need? How much do they cost? And how much time do you need to do the work? So here's a typical redesign, which you can't really see here. <laughs> but you, know, you may go through several phases, and you do your research, and you do your analysis, and you look at your users, and you do your flows, and your wireframes, and your standards, and your templates, and your visual design, your user testing. And all of this runs at 
you know, in a long consecutive project and then you launch it. There was no way this was going to work for Hotwire. We're very small. Our team is made up of maybe 10 UX folks and we have to support all the other projects that are running through the organization. If we were to go this way, we would either have to hire an agency, which meant more oversight for us and more cost for us, or we would have to stop all of our project work, which would mean that we would not get to do this. So we looked at a different approach. And this is a, a quote from Jared School from many years ago, but it's going to take a little getting used to, but I think we should consider the idea of a major relaunch completely dead. So we focused on a phased approach. I created this diagram that broke out all the different phases of the site redesign. We would chunk out each section of the work into a phase. The way I went through it was thinking about our user flow and our user path and basically bucketed the areas that were most critical first and what and natural in terms of the flow. So when are they going to have an old page versus a new page? Thought about all that. I also looked at the organizational impact. So this is really the efficiency side, and that's the green piece running along the bottom. So we were basically going to attach, attack and launch this in phases, and um, the organizational development would run in parallel. So there are a couple of benefits to doing it this way. We get work out more quickly, which means we can learn from that and apply it to future phases. We also can only augment with a little bit of staff rather than requiring a huge, huge group of people to come in and work on it all at once. So we had maybe one or two contractors. It takes a lot of the pressure off of UX and engineering. And then with regard to the standards development running in, running in phases, we could also spend maybe a day or two after each initial launch updating standards and then use those standards in subsequent projects. We also avoided having my team spend a month working on standards development, which would have been incredibly painful. And the org would have been like, why can't, why can't we work with UX? What are you working on? I can't see the benefit of that. So it was small pieces that we were able to tie in with the consumer-facing work. Now, when you're talking about all the great things you're going to get out of your site redesign, you have to talk about the risks as well. We really don't want to have any surprises down the road. So with the phased approach, the main, the main risk is a disjointed user experience during the redesign process. Our approach took us about a year. So over the course of the year, some pages were old and some pages were new. And again, you can mitigate this by being very careful with the order in which you, you roll out features and updates. There was also increased de design and development complexity during the redesign process. So what I mean by this is, we might have a project, we had a specific project actually that was cross-site feature. We wanted to have a consistent design for this particular feature across all the pages across the site. However, half the pages had the old design and half the pages had the new design. So it was very challenging to find a particular design for this feature that would work in both old and new styles. However, the further you get into your redesign, the easier this gets. The third risk you have to be aware of is rework. And actually, this can also be a benefit. So we might put something out on our error results page, and then we find out it doesn't work that well. So when we move on to the hotel results page, we correct for it, and we have a much better experience. So eventually, we're going to go back to that error results page and fix it with what we learned on the hotel page. 
Therefore, it's now standardized, and they're both optimally designed. Finally, there are timelines. In a phased approach, it's a long process. You don't want to rush it. You don't want to put too much pressure on the organization or on the teams. But you also don't want to go too slow because you risk losing momentum. Okay. So just to recap the selling it in piece, don't be afraid to engage in rogue tactics, but make sure you have an advocate. In your formal proposal, talk about current state and opportunity. Talk about the goals and vision and use, use the executive language and make sure that they support those goals. Talk about your plan and talk about the risks. And finally, be realistic because if you're on, tar on, if you're on target, you're going to look great and you don't want to oversell because then you're going to disappoint. So now you've got your approval. So you got, you got the thumbs up from the exec team. Yes, we want to do the site redesign. And yes, we will help you with resources and, and, and pay for that. So now it's time to make it happen. There are several things that can come into play to prevent this from successfully completing. Um, you could lose momentum. There could be conflicting priorities within the organization that may come up six months into it. You can get resource constraints. So you really have to do a lot of work while the project is going on organizationally to keep it moving. So first of all, let's talk about the nature of the work you're doing. Refresh versus redesign. So we bucketed it into, into two buckets here. The refresh was the uh, look and feel updates, minor interaction design changes, much simpler. Uh, these areas were less critical on the site. They may not have as much traffic on them. Um, they are uh, already in decent shape, usually. But the redesign sections are the area where we can see a lot of benefit. And these areas are where we're going to spend our back-end changes. We're going to have engineering focus on the back-end functionality. We're going to add new functionality. We may remove sections of, of, of the site. We may overhaul entirely the experience here. So we did both, and we focused on um, the key areas of the site, homepage, billing, maybe my account, or the help center, areas where we, we felt like either it was very, very outdated, or there's a significant amount of opportunity. And that's the area that we redesigned. And pretty much everything else was what we called refresh. So this, this then translated into two different processes. One was what we called the site redesign queue, and the other was the project queue. Now I'll talk about the project queue first. This is Hotwire's standard project prioritization process. We have a prioritization committee made up of the executive team. And they basically stack rank the priorities of projects that are then have, then have resources assigned to them. So these projects tend to have dollars attached to them. So we, when we decided what was going to be the redesign projects and was going to go through the project prioritization process, we wanted to make sure that we had some money attached to these things so that they could stack rank against other initiatives that were going on within the organization. Now the site redesign queue was a much lighter weight process. What we did was we asked for resources that would be dedicated to the site redesign continuously. And this was, I don't know if anyone's familiar with the programs queue type thing where you have these dedicated resources and then small initiatives come through and you prioritize them. So I was the person who got to prioritize these initiatives so I could determine 
Do we work on about Hotwire before we work on hotel details? Do we work on the our affiliates section before we work on our, um, I don't know, landing page for some vertical? I don't know. And what would help here was that these were all small chunks, small efforts, and we could process them fairly quickly. And what we did was we had dedicated resource allocations from each department. So it was much lighter weight. This is just an example here where I would take anywhere from a half a person per month up to one and a quarter people per month. And some groups chose to dedicate those people. So it was the same person for the entire year. Other groups, UX, for example, rotated. So everybody had a chance to work on the redesign. And this, this allowed us to not have to rank against the higher money-making priorities within the organization because these resources were untouchable. Now, going back to the efficiency side of things, we had the standards initiative, and this was to improve consistency and efficiency on the site and also improve maintenance and create a documentation library for new hires, for uh, contractors that come on board, there are tons of benefits to these, and Hotwire did not have any form of standards or style guide prior to our redesign initiative. So we're actually starting to see a significant time savings, and um, this is a result of our documentation being lighter weight. We can reference the standards now rather than having to document every element, and this is a benefit to the UX team and also to engineering. Uh, there's uh, mitigating, we're mitigating risks by having a standard, so there's fewer bugs on the site. We have this great reference guide and, and knowledge now that's kept within the UX team. And there's more continuity between the channels. So you, this is an area that is pretty much solely driven by UX. And the visibility that people have into this particular work is only what you want to give them because they're not really going to see uh, the work that's going on because it's pretty much behind the scenes. I had to stay on top of my team to make sure we were documenting everything. No one really likes documenting standards. Um, but the, the, the benefits to it are really in the maintainability. So we, we had to really spend a lot of time thinking about a process that was efficient and effective. And we're already starting to see a lot of time savings, which equals uh, faster time to market. Now, you want to make sure you get others involved. This is really critical because if this helps maintain momentum and it also will help share the blame if anything goes wrong. So we had business partners that would be partnered up with us for every project or initiative and they would fill out a lightweight requirements document that would help us understand the business goals of their particular page and any sort of future projects or work they might be doing to it so we can, we can understand from a scalability perspective how we wanted to scale up. Uh, this, this business partner would act as a key stakeholder and they would attend all the review meetings, give feedback. If there were any concerns, they'd raise those. So they were involved throughout. We also developed a steering committee of sorts called the Site Redesign Committee. And this was a cross-functional committee that included a representative from Creative Services, which is our uh, online marketing creative group. 
someone from merchandising, so someone from marketing, and our main front-end architect. And this group met once or twice a month, and the goal of the committee was really to establish cooperation and collaboration between teams. Uh, these folks served as department representatives, and they were, they were very clear of all redesign decisions that were made. So there was no question um, that they didn't know of anything. They were always able to provide feedback and have a forum for feedback. And we really used this steering committee also as a forum to develop a common point of view on everything from how we use the CMS, when we use CMS, and how we use Flash, and so on. You also want to talk about what you're doing because this is a phased approach and work is going to be continuously going on the site. Our releases are about every four to five weeks, so we would constantly be pushing stuff out. Uh, you want to know when people, you want to let people know when stuff is coming out. This helps maintain momentum because people are constantly seeing you put work out on the site and seeing updates, but it also helps them understand what's coming up next and how that might impact them and what they're doing. For example, customer care might have to roll out changes to their uh, customer operations teams and, and the CSRs. They need to know of changes that are coming out. So you want to make sure you have a forum to communicate this to them. Also, provide frequent executive updates. After each release, I would send a note to the executive team talking about the work that just went up on the site, and I would talk about wins and early successes, talk about our progress, what's next, who was involved in what just launched, and reiterate the goals repeatedly. Every single email I sent, I would, re I would reference branded, consistent, efficient, and simple. Every single time. Talk about how whatever the work we did fit into those categories. I would also, again, talk about the standards efficiency, because that's something they don't have visibility into unless you talk about it. So now you're talking about your work, and you want to demonstrate success. So there's several ways you can do that. First of all, the easiest way is to talk about awards and recognition. Hotwire won best in customer satisfaction for independent travel websites, I think, three years in a row. This gets the executives very, very excited. So we talk about when we win these things. Uh, we were also referenced in a web design book, so they like to hear when Hotwire is positively discussed. Now, I mentioned that Hotwire is a financially driven company and very data focused. So this is where qualitative and quantitative benchmarking become very important. To talk first about the qualitative benchmarking, uh, we have Opinion Lab, and if you're not familiar with Opinion Lab, this is a forum for users to give feedback on basically the design on the page, potentially their expectations of what they're seeing on the page. We get a lot of positive and negative feedback. Actually, it skews more negative by nature. But what we have the opportunity to do is react to the negative comments and then talk about the positive comments. So for example, the navigation and minimal prompts are very convenient. Hotwire has the best site overall, very user-friendly. Executives like to hear feedback like this, specifically since it came directly from their customers. You can give a date, and you can give who the Hotwire user is, potentially, if they give that information. Now, quantitative measures, this is where the organization is very interested. You can talk about purchase rate changes and conversion lift, drop-off decrease, bug fixes. This is a really easy one to talk about. It saves people time and frustration when you fix bugs. And um, you know, our president, for example, 
often sends me bugs, which I just love getting. Hey, can you fix this? And if you're talking about how we fixed 20 bugs in this set of pages that we just redesigned, people like to hear that. Customer care call decrease that has money attached to it. There's a value per customer that calls. Use that. Talk about changes in that. And then Opinion Lab also has ratings that you can benchmark against. Users can also give uh, a rating on a scale of 1 to 5 for ease of use or speed of the site. Benchmark that over time, and you can start to track the impact of your redesign. What I think is a little bit more interesting is to talk about the goals of the business and also wh what would it not have been possible without your redesign. So an example is our billing page. On the left, you'll see the very long billing form that we had before. And on the right, you'll see our new billing process. It's an a accordion approach, step by step. And what we did was we looked at our four goals, branded, simple, consistent, and efficient. We reiterated these again. And we focused in on two of them that we thought were particularly noteworthy. Simple, we chunked the billing information into easy step-by-step -step process of digestible modules. We reduced the length of the checkout process by removing certain pages. And we improved the contextual help and error messaging to better help users prevent and recover from errors. And we gave the users the ability to add and edit information via layers. So these are all the improvements. We were efficient. We fixed over 30 bugs as part of this project. The new modular layout more prominently displays value-adding features. This is really important. We found a 20% increase in trip insurance take rate out of this project. That's a lot of money. Execs like to hear that. Uh, and also, we had a quick follow-on project for our rental car insurance. This was a feature that we didn't offer to customers prior, and we wanted to get it out as quickly as possible. So we had this new design, and within a month after this design launch, we were able to push out this new feature. If we did not have this design, it would have taken a lot longer. So when you start to talk about the learnings and what would not have been possible otherwise, I think it can start to get really interesting to executives. For one, due to the stepped approach, help and error messaging improvements, we are now able to investigate layer-by-layer -layer drop off and specific error instances and solves. So this is something we can learn from and start to apply. We also can start to look at uh, segment-specific processes. We have high-frequency customers that are, are um, our customers that visit the site regularly and purchase from us quite a bit. And we said, OK, well, now that we have this step-by-step -step process, we can understand better how, what they're buying. Are they buying trip insurance or rental car insurance? If they are not, why even show them that step? The panels now allow us to completely modify the process in a way that we couldn't before based on customer segment. Again, talk about the infrastructure improvements. Ours, our infrastructure improvements were standards and also process. The site redesign queue that we developed out of this is now being in discussions for being used for other departments and other groups for needs that the organization has. The process that we developed was lightweight enough and very efficient and very successful. So now we can apply it for other needs within the organization. So what to do when things go wrong, as they always do? 
Okay. The one that we could anticipate the most was the project deprioritization. We knew this was going to happen with the phased approach. At some point, we were going to have to face conflicting priorities. So we faced this with our My Account redesign and our Help Center redesign, both where we wanted to add new features and functionality, and we saw a lot of value to the user in that. But what happened was these particular features and functionality did not have a lot of dollars attached to them. So we were deprioritized against higher money-making features. So what we did was we had to be flexible. We cut out the new features and said, you know what? It's a huge improvement to review all the FAQs and make them more branded and direct and better organized. It's a huge improvement to make it a more efficient My Account since we have three different designs going on right now there. And we basically said we're going to move these into the site redesign queue and just update the look and feel of the copy and make some small interaction design changes so that we can focus on these, which are important to customers, and maybe we'll trim some work down from other less critical areas to accommodate that. And sure enough, we're going to have our improved help center go live in a couple weeks, and in a couple months we'll have our My Account go up. And we're still able to get them done, and we'll go back later to add those smaller features that we wanted to build into this project. Now, sometimes small changes have really big impacts. On the left, you'll see our hotel details page in the old design. And on the right, you'll see the new design. They don't look that different. Pretty much, they're streamlined a little bit from a copy perspective. The layout is pretty consistent. And the look and feel has some slight changes in color palette choice. We did decide to make a couple of changes here. Now, you'll see on the left and on the right, there are some red circles. On the top and on the bottom, we had a continue button in the old design. We decided, you know what, we have repeat customers, and they can get by with a link. They're on our site every day. And then we have our new users. We don't want them to click on the top. We want them to click on the bottom, because we want them to read everything. So we made this decision. We had the link on the top and the button on the bottom. We also made the decision to display the total price on the bottom. So if you're staying in a hotel for three nights, what's the total price? We left the per night price on the top. The old design only had the per night price, and it had the total price in the summary module on the left, which, which it does in both cases. The combination of these two changes with some other minor tweaks we went live, and our purchase rate dropped by 8%. So what happens when our purchase rate in our bread and butter product drops by 8%? Alarms go off throughout the entire organization saying, what just released? What changed? What happened? So of course, they look back and they say, oh, the hotel details redesign went out. What happened? What did you guys change? So you have to react quickly. <laughs> Within a day, we went back to the continue button on the top, and we changed the total price to the per night price. And it came back up fairly significantly. We were still down about 1%, but it was a dramatic difference. I still, to this day, do not understand how these changes could so significantly impact purchase rate, but they did. And even though there were business partners involved, 
you still hear about it with the hotel details refresh because it was part of the redesign initiative. Now this is where it becomes very, very, very important to get others involved. Had there not been a business partner involved, had there not been a steering committee reviewing the work, we would have taken on all that blame ourselves, which you really don't want. So everybody got together in this case and responded and reacted very quickly. We're now backed up to break even. What we were able to do is do a quick patch to fix the button and the total price, and then take our time and read through opinion lab comments and watch and observe purchase path behavior to understand what was happening, and we made some slight enhancements as, as time went on. Now, there was a lot of learnings that came out of this. Specifically, we will version test now anything that goes on in the hotel product, because this is our most important product, and it's it's uh, very sensitive, and we didn't really expect it to be that sensitive. Nobody ever thought that. We also now are going to look into uh, segmentation differences. Who reacted this way most strongly? Is it our repeat customers? Was it our new customers? Who dropped? What happened? So it gives us a lot of information to go back and evaluate, and the organization as a whole learned a lot from this experience. So um, what I would call the perfect storm homepage redesign. So everybody knows in our field that homepage redesigns are notoriously difficult. There's usually a lot of stakeholders involved, and they all have different points of view and what they want on their homepage. They all want a piece of the real estate. They all have their ideas of what they want it to look like. And Hotwire is no different. So we spent a lot of time managing the different departments, trying to understand their goals for the homepage, why what they wanted mattered to them, get a really strong understanding, spent a lot of time building goals with them for the, for the project itself, and coming to an agreement on priorities of various goals. Now, given the number of stakeholders we had involved, nobody was ever going to be completely comfortable and 100% happy with the approach that we took, but that was to be expected because it's a homepage redesign, right? So we moved along into our project, and uh, what I would call the perfect storm was when one of the major stakeholders, our merchandising team that is responsible for optimizing the homepage after we launched the new version, had a complete change in leadership and a complete change in ownership. So anybody who was involved in the goal-setting phase, anybody who was involved in the ideation and um, actually the whole project development, suddenly was gone, and we had two brand new people who had to figure out their new goals for their team and figure out what they wanted to do going forward on their homepage. And suddenly, we're like, hey, we have an opportunity to think about this in the course of your project. And suddenly, all of our goals went like this. So we were on a timeline, right? We had a year to get our site redesign done. And how do you manage against that? So for us, it became a question of uh, which, is, which is the um, best way to go, right? We either plow forward and deal with this organizational challenge, or we stop and we say, you know what, we're going to take a step back. We're going to let them figure out what their new goals are. We're going to come back and reevaluate when we have more information, and then we'll move forward with that. And we, we decided we were going to put it on hold indefinitely. So we have a brand new beautiful site and an old homepage. So what do you do? What can you do? You step back and you say, we have a beautiful site. And you say, you know what? 
this project would have been a disaster with the current circumstances and would have been painful for the organization to work through. Or you say, you know what, I'm going to pause and I'm going to let this go more smoothly next time around. And that's what we're doing. We're going we're gonna to wait it out and see what happens. So how do you talk about that? How is the site redesign successful? I'm still trying to figure that out, actually. And what I'm doing is, is I'm talking about the work we can do now. It was a big organizational decision to not do the homepage. And we think we're going to be in a better position in six months when we tackle it again. We'll have a lot more learnings. Each team is focused on finding the goals and their needs, knowing this project is coming up. So there are quite a few big wins out of this. Um, first of all, we have a beautiful site now. Far better than we had before and exceeds our expectations. In a couple months, it'll be totally done with the exception of the homepage. <laughs> and um, I think one of the biggest wins was one that was totally unexpected for me. And that was the fact that we have renewed team pride behind a common goal. So my team, the UX team, uh, was all motivated to redesign the site. Every single person on the team touched a piece of the redesign. And they're all really excited about the redesign. There's increased collaboration, increased focus towards a vision, and team pride out of it. And that was something that I never could have anticipated out of this. Thank you. To hear even more presentations from the 2009 IA Summit, point your browser to boxesnarrows.com and click on the podcast link. There you'll find access to the iTunes feed and more information about each presentation. Our heartfelt thanks to the organizers and sponsors of the 10th Annual IA Summit, the presenters, and of course to the global community. We look forward to feedback about future episodes that will be of greatest value to you, our listeners.